Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and we're going to cover just one topic today. I am bringing on a former Army Ranger to talk about fear. So that's our sole topic today. We're going to cover the seven fear families and talk about how to take on fear like a warrior. I hope you enjoy this incredible episode with my friend, Maverick Will it? This will be his third time on the show. That should tell you how important he is to me and the way um, I navigate this world is uh, partly because of his influence. So I'm excited to share his knowledge and wisdom about using fear as your partner in a growth strategy versus it keeping you a victim to it. So let's get on with the show. Maverick Willett, welcome back to the show, man. This is a three-peat. You are by far the most popular guest I have had on the show, and I'm so privileged to have you back to talk about yet one more topic, a single topic that I know we could spend hours talking about, but I figured if anybody could address the nuances of fear, you could. So thanks, man, for being here one more time. Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't know if that says more about me or your audience. That's, uh, that's I don't know. It's, I'm kind of worried that they would this would be the, the most viewed one, but yeah, I'll roll with it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, either way, we win. Everybody wins. The audience wins. I win because I get to talk to you and I get to serve them. And man, you get more eyeballs on a tremendous leader uh, here making significant moves in the change and transformation of people. So uh, all, all I can say is I'm privileged and humbled to have you back. So Maverick, a lot of people have heard your story from the previous two episodes. You're a former Army Ranger. We, we really haven't gotten really deep into the role of the Army Ranger a whole lot. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that because some people might just see it as gladiator warrior going and, and killing people and blowing up things. But is that the primary role? And then secondary to that is, are army rangers without fear? I mean, I would see them, you know, some people might see them as fearless animal, fearless animals who, who go do their deed without any second guessing whatsoever. So let's start the conversation about fear from, from the superhero perspective. Great. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, I guess it definitely takes a certain kind of person to be in, to be in special operations in general. And, and definitely as you get more uh, um, specified with the Rangers, the SEALs, the Marine Recon, Air Force Pararescue, um, you know, it gets a little more personality based and, and whichever one suits your personality best is which one you should pursue. Um, with Rangers, it's kind of, I always, a lot, not a lot of people know what rangers do um, in the civilian world? It's uh, whenever I say I was a ranger, I think the first thought that pops in people's head is park ranger, like Smokey the Bear or something like that. Uh, so I have to kind of explain, and you know, it's um, the best way I can explain it is you know, everyone knows what Navy SEALs are because um, they're they're super Hollywood and get all the movies made. Um, we're the the Army version of that is the best way I can put it, um, except it's sort of a different mission. Uh, SEALs are more, I would say, surgical, one target. Uh, rangers are, you know, seal, SEALs are like if just to dumb it down as best I can. Uh, we have this one or two people in this building. We need to extract them that are alive. Rangers are, hey, we have everyone in this building uh, taken out. So if you could just go and take care of that, we would appreciate it. So we're like kind of like pit bulls on a leash for the, like the Bin Laden mission, for example, there were three Ranger platoons on quick reaction force so on standby in case things went uh, sideways on that mission, you know? Um, so 
that's kind of our, our thing where we're, uh, we kind of made our, our name in Iraq um, in the early 2000s and clearing rooms and, and with, uh, you know, blowing things up and just getting the job done. Um, but highly intelligent as well. You have to have a certain GT score on the ASVAB to, to qualify to be in Ranger Battalion. So GT scores, your, your science and your math kind of combined together. Um, so it does take a, high, a level of intelligence. Um, but yeah, you know, the, it does take a certain kind of individual to, to want to even pursue that uh, occupation in the first place. And then they kind of root out the people who have, uh, who, who give into that fear along the way. I mean, for example, you're, you're put to the test several times in the pipeline to even get to Ranger Battalion. So you have basic training, everyone goes through basic training, you have airborne school. So right off the bat, you have a couple things that are going to test you a little bit. Airborne school, hey, let's go jump out of planes. And if you can't do that, you can't be a Ranger. So that's root some people out. And you have Ranger selection right after airborne school, um, which is rigorous in itself. You do a lot of higher risk things there as well. Uh, higher elevation up, you know, if you have any fear of heights, it's not going to work for you. You know, we, we jump out of planes all the time. We repel out of helicopters. So um, I guess it's like a, it's a, it's a overcoming your fears process. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, everyone, I would, I can't say that Rangers are without fear. I think that we train so much and train so much with each other that you just have that, had that confidence that the men around you were so well-trained that you were, you were in good hands no matter what, and, and you could accomplish the mission no matter what. Well, I think that's a great way to start the conversation then. Um, maybe, maybe it is too easy to say from our civilian perspective that an army ranger would be without fear. I mean, look what they go do. Fear cannot possibly be, be part of the equation. And yet it, it is part of the equation because I can only assume fear is present, but you've gone through a training for confidence program of some sort, mentally and physically, to prepare you to deal with fear a particular way. And I think that is the civilian issue at play, is that perhaps we have not trained for confidence so that when fear is present, the emotion of fear, um, we don't know how to handle it well. And we either are a victim to it or a victim door through it. So let's go there for just a minute about making sure everybody understands what the definition of fear is. Is fear a truth, Maverick? Maybe maybe let's start with that simple question. Um, well, you know, I, I think that this is one reason why veterans oftentimes make really successful business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, and, and leaders when they come back to the civilian workforce is because, um, you know, fear is inevitable. Fear is always going to uh, surface in our minds. I mean, we're conditioned from a young age to, to operate in that, that condition of, of fear and approval. And uh, I think that, you know, veterans have faced that fear and overcome it several, several times in their career. And so that's why um, they're a little more quick on the trigger when it comes to risk-taking in business or, or the proper ones to take in life or to progress. They recognize that that end of your comfort zone is where you start pro uh, progressing. And I think for the average person hasn't faced those challenges, that might be a little more, um, definitely not impossible what they mean, obviously, but, but definitely maybe a little more challenging at first to get that kind of conditioning of, you know, yes, this is fearful, but I need to take this step anyway. Um, I mean, the, the, the most, like the most biggest example I can draw upon just military wise is, you know, in ranger school, there's a part where you're about a hundred feet. Well, I wouldn't say hundred. It's, it's quite, quite high in the air. I want to say 50 feet at least in the air above some water on this beam feels like a hundred feet. Um, and it's a very narrow beam and you have to walk out across it and right in the middle, there's a step there that goes up, up, down, and then back to the beam again. 
And so even like while you're balancing on this beam and walking out across the water to eventually rappel down in the water on a, on a zip line, um, you know, you're, you're trying to overcome your fear of heights and then you have to step up on a step and step back down at the same time. And that gets a lot of people, um, you know, that, that specific obstacle. And, and I relate that a lot to, to life because, and, and especially now being a business owner, you know, you're going to have these, these fears and your brain's going to be telling you not to take the risk and not to take the step, not to add, uh, danger to your to your life whether it's an investment whether it's stepping outside yourself whether it's a new relationship or whatever it is um you know your 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 conditioned mind is going to tell you not to take that step and uh you know we know from experience that taking that step is what leads to the most growth it's gets scary as it can be but um but yeah that's that's the quickest that's the most that's the biggest example i can draw upon right now for my, my fear but it's fear of truth um oof, that's a that's a tough one. I think, I think it's a, it's a truth, but I think, and I think it has a purpose. Uh, but I think majority of the time it's, it's keeping, it's, it keeps people from growing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a broad generalization question there. So I, I apologize for not being, being specific, but fear, fear is an emotion created within us. It doesn't exist out outside my window over there that that tree's not experiencing fear that that person playing in the park across the street may not be experiencing fear right now but I'm fearful that that zoom might shut down you know I created that so I guess in the essence of whether fear is true or not it is created it is it is attached to something it is attached to my fear of of zoom not recording correctly is attached to a previous experience where Zoom did not record, this is a silly example, but Zoom did not record a podcast interview. And I had to then go ask for a repeat interview, which that's embarrassing. Um, I learned from that evaluated experience and now have backups so that, you know, I don't have that same failure again. But the fear is an attachment to an experience, right? And I, I feel like we carry those attachments with us a long time in life and we never let them go. And that burden of that journey of the journey that we're on in life, carrying all these attachments, they've got to give at some point. And you're a fitness coach. Now you're a transformational artist by, by trade and you're a, um, a warrior by trade. Help me understand how you see fear playing out the truth of fear in everybody's own story. How do you see that truth playing out in people's lives? And how do you nip it in the bud in order to get people to be, become self-aware enough to go, you know what? It might not be true. It, it might just be an attachment. Yeah. I, I face it all the time. Um, you know, and anytime there's drastic change in your life, there, there's fear there. There's fear going to be fear there. And I think it's unrealistic, unrealistic to say we don't feel the fear, but to be mindful of it is very, very beneficial. Um, you know, I, that when you said that thing about, um, you know, fear being a kind of a choice, I, uh, I was reminded of a Will Smith quote from, I think it's called After Earth, the movie, where he says, danger is very real, but, but fear is a choice. Um, that, that's, that always stuck with me for some reason, but it's very true. I think that being mindful of the fear is important first and foremost. When I'm, when I'm talking to someone, for instance, about committing to investing in their health and wellness, there's a fear there. There's a fear. What if it doesn't work? What if I, you know, what if, what if you're not the coach for me? What if I do this and I can't, I can't do it. What if this, what if that? And those are the, you know, those limiting beliefs that come in. And this is a part of us that's programmed in us from very early on in life to protect us from danger. And most people operate in that conditioned 
uh, mindset the majority of their lives because it, it quote unquote protects them from from danger. But the reality is when we live in that fear, we limit ourselves and, and severely limit our potential, limit our growth. Um, could it might not work out? Sure. But what if it does? I don't think people ask that question enough. Like, what if, what if it does work out? What if the, this, this takes me to the next level? And, and, and oftentimes it, it does. And, and if not, if it doesn't, then you're going to learn from it either, either way. So, um, you know, being mindful of that fear and knowing that it's, it's, you know, being gentle here to yourself and knowing that it's a, it's a part of you that's conditioned to keep you from getting hurt. Um, but knowing that it's also a severely limiting belief that can keep you from progressing in your life. Uh, when it comes to committing to their health and wellness, it's, it's like they've tried so many different things before and it didn't work out. And so that, that also gives them a fear as well. But um, again, it's, it's, if, if nothing change, if you don't change anything in your life, nothing changes. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. So it's, it's a, it is an obstacle for people to get past that and take that leap of faith in order to change their lives. Yeah. So, so I hear in those words, Maverick, that, that it's really your, your perspective that determines how you will either be a champion through fear or you'll be a victim to it. It's nothing more than perspective. I mean, I think you, you explained the biology of fear really, really well. It's already programmed in. It is a protective mechanism meant to gain your attention. Hey, <laughs> pay attention. Something is happening. Now, what you do in the next moments, whether you still step forward knowing the risk and accepting the risk and stepping forward, or whether you pull back into your comfort zone for protection, that, that is still a choice, but fear is not in control. You are. Fear is just pointing it out, right? Is that, is, that a, is that a fair summary assessment of fear? Yeah, I, and I think that, it, to your point, those that take that step despite the fear are the ones that succeed the most in life um, majority of the time. Okay. So Maverick, you've been talking recently a lot about failure. And, and I guess uh, I was reminded of a book I, I read by John Maxwell years ago in college that was so transformative for me. It was a book called Failing Forward. And I was always terrified of failure. Um, the judgment associated with failing was just too much for, for me to handle. So I was very selective on what I chose to do and who I uh, chose to express myself to, to protect me from that judgment and criticism. You as a coach, I know in helping people transform from one level to another, have to deal with fears of failure. Are there, are there some common fears that you're running into that you know you have to address first before you can even introduce them to the transformation plan ahead? Yeah. Um, gosh, I didn't, you know, I, I've heard the term fail forward so many times. I actually wasn't aware that it was Maxwell that, that coined that, that, that term. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So uh, with myself, with my business, I, I failed. I mean, my life, I've failed so many times. I think people uh, see failure as such a, a bad thing and, and then it says, um, you know, a negative thing, but in the post that you're referring to recently, I was talking about how every time you fail, you get data that no one else has. You get data on what didn't work, what did work, what you can do differently and how you can proceed moving forward. I mean, you learn more from failing 10 times in a row than you do from winning three times in a row, always. And the reason why I have continued to ascend and progress and the things that I'm pursuing now is because I've had the willingness to fail over and over and over again and fail and with what resonated with people, fail with 
you know, what, what content I put out that, that didn't do so well or, or run a, you know, we've ran challenges that tanked. We've put out free resources that nobody wanted. We've, I've put out a post that didn't get any likes and I perceived that as failure. And after a while you get afraid to put anything out. Cause you get, you know, if you let it overtake you, you, you think that, and you get that, that fear of judgment, that fear of approval, when it kicks in, it keeps you from actually doing anything. And, and that can be so destructive. So um, I think the main thing for people to know is that if you don't put yourself out there and, and see what does and doesn't work, um, you, you're, you're never going to succeed. And people also forget that everyone else is judging themselves way more than they're judging you. We all, we all kind of live in that state. Um, we're all having this same fear and, and, and ju- for the most part, having, you know, judging ourselves way more than others. So, and at the end of the day, when you're authentic self, you know, you're still going to have people that don't resonate with that. And that's okay. Cause you're gonna have a lot of people that do your goal isn't to please everyone. It's to please a select few that do resonate with you. And that give you the, the least, um, least amount of resistance and, and, and uh, barrier to entry so that you can help those people and they can, um, you know, help you in your life, help you excel. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, getting past that and just doing your thing and regardless of the, of the fear of approval that comes in is, is so, so pertinent in finding success in, in any realm in life. Yeah. You're having an influence with your coaching program on, on a lot of people. Can you pick some common, common fears that you're running into more often than others? Maybe the, the top one or two. Yeah. What if I can't, what if I don't get this right? What if I don't, uh, what if I can't stick to it? What if I mess up? You know, those are the, those are the biggest ones. You know, what if this doesn't work out? What if I, uh, what, if, what if this doesn't work out? You know, that's a big one. Um, I can tell you that just sheer anecdotal data here out of the thousands of people that I've worked with, when I can say maybe a handful at most (laughs) just didn't work out. And it was never because of the reason they thought it was usually because of some outlying circumstance or or something like that. You know, Um, it's people have have ascended and reached their goals no matter what. Um, and I'm just using my program as an example, because there's a, there's a lot out there that will help people, um, whether it's in your health, your, your spirituality and your, your mental health, whatever it is, um, that fear of it not, not working out will, again, keep you from reaching your goals. Um, but those are the common ones I see is just what if it doesn't work out? What if I can't stick to it? It's a big one with, with nutrition specifically. You know, what if I what if I can't do this? And it's like, well, you know, what if you can? <laughs> I think you probably can. Um so yeah, it's just a lot of self-limiting beliefs come in with that. And, and I overcome those by just, you know, hey, this is what this is what you're investing in to help the to get you to do this, the support you need to be able to do this, the knowledge you need to be able to do this and the, uh, the accountability that you need to, to make sure it happens is kind of what the whole investment is about. So yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I love how how you're helping me transition this thought then. Um, there are fear families that 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 each emotion that we experience and, and the emotion of what if I can't do this, that's related to a fear family. And, and there are seven fear families. And if you can put the emotion that you're feeling into a family, you now have it named. It is categorized uh, based on population data that they've been studying for, for a long, long time. And then I, I think from there, it's much easier to develop an exit strategy once you have named the fear. So Maverick, I'm curious as a, as, as a coach, 
I know I, with my clients, have to ask the question, why are you afraid of that? At least six or seven times to get to the answer that holds the most weight. Do you run into the same thing when you're trying to, to really identify and name what the root issue is? All right, I'm going to pause here for a sec. Uh, you can edit this, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go turn off my little Facebook thing because it keeps beeping. I don't oh. <laughs> I thought that was mine. I was like, oh crap. No, sorry. I did I thought I had it muted. Okay, we're good now. All right. Ready? Yep. Here we go. Okay. Um what was the question again? I forgot. Um so <laughs> let me Fear, see. I think I'm something now that we have 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 we put what, in, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of that? Name, yeah, I've, I often have to ask the question why at least seven times uh, to to get to the root issue of what they're really afraid of. Do you mm -hmm. run into that in 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 your coaching program? Oh yeah, all the time. I think even more so than that, narrowing in on why it's important to them, and then obviously in a in a in a call, you know, if if there is an objection of some sort, it's never. Because I mean, not I want to say never, but hardly is it ever because they think it is. For example, if they if they say, "Well, I don't know if now is the right time," and if I ask that question, "What are you afraid of?" or you know, "What you, you said this was important now," you know, you have this health risk, you know, on your mind. You feel this way about yourself. Uh, you're having trouble with this. You struggled with this for years, and now you're saying now isn't the right time. What you know? What let's talk about what's what is actually going on. I mean, what do you, what are you what are you afraid of? What's what's your fear here? And it usually just comes down to um, confidence in, in me being a, you know, a, a stranger, <laughs> essentially, um, that they're investing in for their health and wellness. And, and you know, I can, I, I can overcome that with some, some reassurance and some results, some testimonials, some, some interviews, some, some social proof, so to speak. Um, I think with, with women, especially because I work primarily with women, uh, it's, it's difficult as a 250 pound, you know, veteran to to convince them that I'm, I'm the one for their health and wellness. Um, but oftentimes it's, it's just a, I think it comes down to a, a fear of change. It's just a fear that their life is going to drastically change and they don't know if they have what it takes to, it's a limiting belief. Can I, am I capable of doing this? Is this something that uh, I think I'm going to be able to stick to? And, and, and what if I can't, it's just the, those limiting beliefs come in. So overcoming those can, can be a challenge, but that's, that's what it comes down to for most people. Yeah, well, I want to take an example, one, one that, that you, you used, um, whether I can do it or not. And I'm going to tell you what the seven fear families are. And I just want to see if, if you can put it into a fear family, and then we can maybe come up with a growth strategy out of that. So I don't know if I can do it. You know, those self-limiting beliefs that you just described. Do you think that would, that would be one of these seven fear families. So the first one is losing identity. The second is overwhelm. The third is hurt. The fourth is uncertainty. The fifth is failure. The sixth is abandonment. And the seventh is poverty. Which area do you think people are falling into then when, they, when they're saying, I don't know if I can do this? Fourth, and then the fifth would be a close second. Yeah, uncertainty. That's a control issue. 
um, is, is what that's speaking to. And the motivation of that fear is people going through a transformation. So exactly what you said. And then the, the other fear family uh, failure you mentioned, that is uh, where procrastination lies and that's related to self-esteem. So lower self-esteems are more likely to have a failure fear family attachment. So sticking with those two, if, if somebody is uns falling into the uncertainty fear family and they are your client, what are some steps that you might take someone to to move from uncertainty to certainty on this transformation journey? Well, if it's a fear, it's a fear of loss of control. Um, I would look back at how far they've come and the control that they've been able to exert over their transformation thus far. I mean, usually when people have a fear, like, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks in, I say, hey, this is where you started and this is where you are now. Look at what you've been able to accomplish already. And that can give a lot, I, oftentimes in my experience, that can give a lot, a sense of control. It can be a sense of accomplishment and a, and a comfort um, that they are indeed on the right path. And that certain uncertainty kind of dissipates at that point. It can recur and come up back up down the road. And it often does. Um, but that's the, the beauty of keeping track of things and keeping progress, you know, weekly. Uh, so we can go back and reference that and say, look, you know, you've, you've progressed, you've come a long way. Look at what you have done. This is your hard work. This is what you've been able to be consistent with and look at the results that you've gotten. And then they feel, okay, wow, I guess I am in control of my health and wellness, you know? And I, I guess that's, that's, that's typically how I approach that. Yeah, that is the number one strategy, uh, growth strategy for people who fall into that fear family. So that that's perfect. The second strategy is developing a heart centeredness so that um, they, they become aligned, their thoughts and feelings become aligned in order to support confidence in stepping forward through the transformation. So it might, might be a more meditative strategy um, to, to help them see more value within themselves from a heart centeredness. What, what are you doing good in the world? How are you serving others? Those kind of things. And then the third strategy is a, a developing an optimistic vision. I think too often in this fear family, people uh, suppress their ability to see uh, because they've lost hope. And, and I know you must run into hopelessness in, in, in people's transformations, right? I, I almost want to call you a, a, a hope dealer because you, you have to give people an optimistic view, right? Absolutely. It's amazing to me how deep-seated these, uh, these limiting beliefs can run. Um, I, I can think of a client right now who's down, you know, 50 pounds and still thinks she's failing. And it's, you know, she's come a long way, but it's still, it's still a very strong, deep rooted, uh, limiting belief. She feels like if she gets one thing wrong, she, she failed. And I have to go back and say, look how far you have come. And then look how, think of where you're going to be this time next year. I think another thing that creates this is society's inherent need for instant gratification based on technology and advertising. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. My product is not one that happens overnight. It's one that has compound interest over time. So uh, help, you know, encouraging people to have that commitment to the long term so that they can see that compound interest and be okay with not having that drastic change overnight is, is a challenge as well as a coach, because I think a lot of people are led to believe via advertising, mainstream media, magazine stands that, you know, your, your Dr. Oz magazine stands that I, I, I just 
repose. Um, lead you to believe that those those results can be should be obtained sooner than they actually can be realistically and healthily. So people develop an unrealistic expectation. And when that doesn't happen, then they feel hopeless that oh, it's, it's my fault. I can't I'm hopeless. This is you know, this, I can't do this. I failed. And, and that's where all this kind of overcoming that comes in. And this is where the coach part comes into what I do. This is something that this isn't macro. This isn't, you know, nutrition plans. This is the, this is where you have to be a coach. And I, I think that's what is lost on a lot of folks in this industry. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly understand the value of the plan that the coach can help develop, but there, there is, there's also something internal that, like you said before, you can't solve the problem with the same level of thinking that got you into it. A coach calls bullshit. They can see through um, the the mask of reality that you're trying to hide behind, and and call you out into a new reality. Like you said, that's the value of coaching. Um, so Maverick, that was that was the fear family of uncertainty, which is a control issue. We talked about three strategies that you can use to get out of that. Let's talk about the fear family of failure that is related to a self esteem issue. And I know I experienced that for the longest time. Um, putting my identity on my academic performance, that if I didn't make anything other than an A on any of the exams, if I made a B, wow, that my value just diminished a whole letter grade. So that's how I saw failure was the attachment of my self-esteem to an external number. So that caused me to procrastinate if, if, if that is a symptom you're experiencing or being very rigid in what you do and how you operate. Because again, fear of failure. Well, if I stay within my lines that I, I control really well, then I'm less likely to fail, less likely to be judged, less likely to take a hit on my self-esteem. So Maverick, what is a strategy that, that you've used in helping people overcome failure, knowing that that is a fear family that they're stuck in? Well, you drew upon procrastination. Um, I saw this a lot in December when people would all, a lot of people gave the answer of, I'll just do it after the holidays. I'll just do it January 1st. And then that turns into, I'll just, I'll do this after tax season. That's when I'm ready. I think, I think after tax day, I think I'll be ready. And then it turns into, well, summer, here I come. And then round and round and round we go. And what's happening there is procrastination and a fear of, of failure. They, they think that I can't do it right now because I have too much going on or I, I, I can't do it right now because I just can't. I'm not all in. I can't commit. And there is no ideal time, as you and I will well know. Um, and so I, I find I find that more with uh, potential clients than I do current clients. I find that current clients are usually pretty bought in and that's not a fear that surfaces as readily as those who are, are on the fence about committing their health and wellness. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'll kind of just bring that point up and, you know, the, the reason why you haven't been able to accomplish this goal that you've told me, and you've had this struggle for the past two, three years is because you keep putting it off because your inability to commit, um, because you haven't made yourself a priority and invested in your health and wellness. It's the very reason why you're putting it off now is the reason why you have struggled with this for so long, um, to give some perspective there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, people think their health and wellness can wait and it, it's just, it's not, it's not like a, you know, a late fee for something for a library book. It's, it's something that you kind of have to, 
you know, you need to do now. It's, it's a, it's your, it's your body. You only get one of them. So I just kind of make that gently uh, apparent to, to people who are on the fence or, or, or seem to want to put this off. Yeah, that, it, uh, well, you nailed the number one strategy uh, again, Maverick, and that is uh, priority over task. So we've got to, we've got to shuffle what you see as important, what you value. So I think some purpose, uh, so that's the first thing, purposefulness in, in, in identifying the value of why you're doing what you're doing, because people, people have a tendency to stand on their values more than in anything else. So let's switch it from fear of failure that you're standing on to the purple purposefulness of the value by which you live. So I, I, I love that. That's, that's how you started this conversation. And then the other strategy was a surprise to me, and that is an enthusiasm for learning like uh, creating the aha moments, like, oh, really? It's, it's not as hard as I, I thought. There's a, a strategy, there's a tactic, there is a, a reason why I program your, your macronutrients this way. There's a reason why. So education plays a role here in the fear of failure. And I was, I was surprised by that. Any other strategies you, you would add to that list of three, Maverick? No, I think that's uh, that's a great way to to go about it. I think the the priority one, obviously, again, is the is the big one there. Um, you know, that if they're if they're putting off uh, investing in their health and wellness, all thing all of other things considered, then it's definitely a, a priority shift that needs to take place. I think that's definitely number one. It's like what are what are you investing in that's not contributing to your health and happiness? And let's let's find a way to allot that to actually help you progress in life. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would agree with all, all three of those for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I think it does nothing but speak to the point Maverick. And you've used these words previously in describing some clients excuses is two of the smallest words in the English language are holding people back from their highest value contribution to others and to life themselves. And those two words are if and when I'll be better if uh, or I'll be able to join your program if I had the money. I'll join your program when I don't have so much to do. People use if and when so much as if they are external forces that determine their success. Well, I think it's clear, and you've proven this time and time again, that nothing external is responsible for your success. Nothing. It is all a, a, an internal growth and development transformation, right? So the less we use if and when, the more likely we are to, to achieve our goals. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's that second order change versus first order change. Yeah. People who, yeah. you know, we see it in relationships, people that jump in relationship after relationship after relationship, expecting things to change just by changing their external environment or people who jump from fad diet to fad diet, coach to coach to coach and wonder why nothing is shifting in their life when they haven't made the second order change of what is going on in here? What is going on with my belief system? What is going on with the, my internal narrative, my, my own self-identity? What needs to change there? I need to change the way I identify with myself, the way I speak to myself, the way I think about myself in order for things to actually change and manifest in my life. So 100% I'm on board with, with all that. Awesome. Well, Maverick, there are five other fear families. I'll name them again. We covered uncertainty and failure. There's abandonment, poverty, hurt, 
overwhelm and losing identity. We could talk, we could continue talking strategies on all of those, but I, I would just encourage if you have a fear that you can place into a family, know that there is a growth strategy out of it. And the, the, the two people here that can help you move from uh, fear family into growth is a coach. And Maverick is an exceptional transformational expert who can help you do exactly that and just dominate by the obstacle being the way, help you dominate your transformation goals uh, in spite of fear. So whether it's me or Maverick, reach out to a coach and try to try to overcome fear because I know that's what holds back 99% of people is an irrational attachment to um, an experience. And then this categorization, categorization into a fear family helps us create a growth strategy for you later. So Maverick, thanks for, for helping me begin the conversation with the listening audience about fear and how to overcome it. I appreciate that very much. 100%, Ed, thank you. Uh, an honor as always, I appreciate the conversation and hopefully some people get some great value from this. Yeah, so if you'd like to work with Maverick in overcoming your fear or transform and you are a woman, uh, I will make sure Maverick's contact information and onboarding um, um, link is available to you. And for the listening audience, uh, let us know what you thought about the show. Leave us a review and your greatest takeaways from the show. We'd greatly appreciate that. So Maverick, until next time, my friend, thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure, my brother. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, for the listening audience, peace out, everybody. See you next time.